back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throw it high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Wednesday, hump day. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's time to turn the page and get to the New York Jets, our AFC East rival. We'll hear from Coach Flores, a handful of Dolphins players, as well as my exclusive interview with Dolphins sensational safety, Eric Rowe. And I'll tell you the one thing more disheartening than allowing a third and long conversion on defense. All of that and more on this Wednesday, October the 14th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Drive Time is brought to you by AutoNation. There are so many reasons to drive pink, but for AutoNation, there's only one. To finish the fight against cancer. In fact, AutoNation has helped raise over $25 million to drive out cancer. To join the fight, visit the AutoNation store near you or drivepink.com. And it is Wednesday here on the podcast. We had the very rare, I think the second ever Tuesday night football game in the NFL as the Titans take down AFC East foe Buffalo Bills and helping the Miami Dolphins out there a little bit. Buffalo falls to four and one. That makes Buffalo four and one. New England two and two. Miami two and three. And the Jets 0 and five. I know it's a little bit early to start looking at the standings in the NFL. I always believe maybe after Halloween, maybe even closer to Thanksgiving is when you start to really pay attention to the standings. the Dolphins now behind the Bills by only two games, and we're only one game back of the Colts, who hold the seventh seed in the AFC wildcard picture, along with the Las Vegas Raiders, who are also 3-2, and two, and the Patriots right ahead of that at 2-2. Two and two. So Miami with a chance to make some moves this weekend with the game against the New York Jets, and I thought the primetime games over the weekend in general just were really good. We talk about the Titans and Bills game got kind of out of hand at the very end there, but on Monday night, Chargers and Saints, that thing came right down to the wire into overtime. A field goal off the upright. Can't beat that. Russell Wilson, the Seattle Seahawks doing their thing on Sunday night football against the Minnesota Vikings. So if primetime games can can continue to be like this and give us that much entertainment, especially three nights in a row, can't top that. Man, I'm all here for that. So NFL, you never let us down. You always give us the best drama on all of television. Speaking of drama, watching the first part of that Bills and Titans game, I kept thinking to myself as Josh Allen was converting these third and 13s and third and 15s and just breaking the back of the Titans defense early in that game, how disheartening that must be as a defense to watch a quarterback that can extend plays and get the football down the field into those intermediate areas. And with the way he extends the play and extends the pocket, by the time he finds the receivers, those guys have been covering for five, six, seven seconds. And so they're wide open at that point. So a difficult quarterback to defend. And I was thinking, what's more disheartening than giving up third and long repeatedly especially I think on the second or third drive of the game for Buffalo they had converted two plays that were third and 13 or longer and I was thinking what's more disheartening than that well I'll tell you my favorite food is chicken parmesan we had chicken parm for lunch on Tuesday here at the Dolphins facility and I went up there saw the the lunch in the lunchroom saw what was in there decided to go back to my desk to clean a couple more things up with work and then came back to get the lunch 
and the chicken parm was gone. So third and 13, not getting your chicken parm. I think both those things are all things equal. All joking aside, let's go ahead and jump now into Brian Flores' Wednesday morning media availability. It's a new week, a new opponent, the New York Jets. And we're going to start here for a question with Coach about getting out to fast starts in both of the Dolphins' wins this year. They got out to 14-0 leads and would later extend those leads to 21-7 and then 27-7 and 28-7 in that Jacksonville game as well. So plenty of early leads and fast starts in those victories. I asked Coach, what is synonymous with fast starts and how do you do that again here in Week 6 against the New York Jets? Well, we always talk about you know playing fast, starting fast, um, something that we harp on on a weekly basis. Again, it's football, the ball bounces a few different ways. So anything can happen, and we've got to be able to play any type of game. So, um, you know, when we start fast and when we started fast uh, this season, it's, you know, we were five games in. We started fast twice, and we won those games. We didn't start fast, um, and we didn't win those games. So, um, look, every game is a little bit different. You know, there's some, some if we can get going early and we want to, then that's always a good thing. Uh, but we've got to be ready to play. Um, you know, any, any type of game. We've talked about that as a team. Um, you're up, you're down. It's a back and forth. It's a defensive game. It's a, you know, an offensive game. We've got to be able to adjust and, and try to play any any style um, because every week it's a little bit different based on your opponent, based on, you know, a lot of factors. So um, but starting fast is always you know, something we, we, uh, we put a lot of emphasis on. And earlier in this week, we had Mike Gesicki on talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick and said he's his favorite player he's ever played with. Coach was asked about that comment and what makes Fitzpatrick so likable among his teammates and his peers. I think he just he, he, he brings a lot of energy to the field. Um, well, I would say first and foremost, he's a he's a great teammate. That goes, I would say, you know, far beyond you know what you guys see on the field. So that's their interactions in the locker room. Um, you know, outside of the building, I think that's all plays a, a part in why he, he said something like that. Um, but on the field, you guys see his energy, his enthusiasm, um, his support for his teammates, a willingness to, to you know put his body on, his, on on the line for his teammates. I think that's why you get that that type of response uh, from a guy like Mike and, and other players as well. But um, to me, that starts you know what you see on the field is what you see on the field. But those relationships and that that respect is earned. Um, you know in practice and meetings and, you know, in the locker room. And then it, it kind of manifests itself into the relationships you see on the field. From the quarterback to the guys that try to get to the opposing team's quarterbacks, here's what Coach had to say about what he's seen so far from Emmanuel Ogba, who picked up another sack on Sunday and continued to have his presence felt along that Dolphins defensive line, pass rush, and run defense at the end, inside, wherever he can line up, Ogba's making plays. You know, there's a lot of things. I mean, he's run game, pass game, uh, Work ethic, competitiveness, you know, he's tough, um, smart. He can play multiple positions. So Agba's been obviously getting improving and getting better every week, getting more familiar with the system um, and his role and his fit, um, you know, in the defense. So I've been, I've been pleased with him. We talk about that run defense and Emmanuel Ogba's impact on the run defense. He was a big focal point of that fourth down stop, which Marion Hobby, Dolphins defensive line coach on the podcast yesterday, talked about how important that play was to not just get the defense off the field and set the offense up in almost plus territory. It was at the 
minus 41, 42-yard line in that range, but it also gave them some momentum and got the offense charged up. They would later score on that possession and make it 14-0. Here's Coach talking about the other side of the football, though, the running game, which Chan Gailey said was doing good on counter, needs some work on wide zone on Tuesday's uh, press conference that he was available for. Here's Coach Flores on the running game. It's like every other area, um, you know, on this team, it, it could it, it, it could improve. Um, so run game, play action, run defense, uh, pass defense, you know, kickoff, kickoff return, punt, coaching, all of it can improve. So um, that's what we're trying to do on a daily basis. Um, I mean, it starts in meetings. It starts in meetings. And you take it to walkthrough and then you go out there and practice and try to improve it and get better. You know, whether it's, you know, blocking a, uh, an eight-man front or one guy, you know, getting seven on seven and the back beating the eighth guy or, um, you know, something schematically that we could do that would help us in that in that phase of the game. Um, but we're doing that on a weekly basis and, you know, things that people think we're struggling in, obviously, but also the things that we're actually, you know, we might be having some success and so we're trying to improve every area every area and on the topic of improvements Dolphins have a season high five sacks in the game on Sunday spearheaded by that front seven the linebackers coming in in the pass rush but also the defensive line and then coach finished up with his thought on Shaq Lawson all right so Shaq Lawson uh he's getting better he's trying to uh rehab and he's getting treatment uh expect to see him out of practice today so um you know, we'll see how this goes uh in practice you know, we want to see him out there, obviously. Um, and if he can, if he's if he's healthy enough, we'll get him out there. So there you have it. Busy Wednesday morning presser here for Coach Flores. Up next, let's go ahead and run my interview here with Dolphins safety Eric Rowe. We talked about a handful of topics like career adversity, um, playing the new position at safety, his production in that position, playing with his teammates here, and kind of gathering that sense of camaraderie and, and leadership here on this Dolphins team in his second year with the club, and also. Some tips on fashion, talking about Halloween and his potential side hustle during his NFL career and possible post-playing career endeavors long down the road here for Eric Rowe. Let's go ahead and roll my interview with Dolphin Safety, Eric Rowe. And riding shotgun now on drive time is Dolphin Safety, Eric Rowe. E. Rowe, welcome back in, man. Thanks for joining me. Hey, appreciate you having me. As always, and I think the last time we talked was smack dab right in the middle of training camp, and you had a one-word answer when I asked you how you were feeling you just said sore, but after a game and a five-hour flight, how's the body feeling today? <laughs> Even more sore. <laughs> Even more, but you know what? It's a good, happy sore because we came away with a win. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And we talked about this a little bit, you know, before we jumped on the podcast here, and how we wanted to talk football, but also talk about your personal background a little bit. And I understand you have another interest outside of the football world, correct? I always had an interest uh, in real estate, you know. My mom, uh, kind of growing up, she did it. She kind of showed me the ways, and kind of ever since then, I had a, you know, had a good interest in it. So, and now that, you know, I have a little bit of money to invest, I start looking for uh, like different unit properties. Well, shoot, given the trends of the recent market, it's a good time right now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a great time to do it. <laughs> great time. And are, are you more focused back in your hometown of Houston? Is that kind of the area you want to be, or maybe down in South Florida? Like, where's your focus at for that? Really both. I'm actually looking into uh, a couple properties actually in Florida. It's actually in like Tallahassee. Uh, and 
there was a couple, there was like a property or two I was looking at in Houston, kind of here and there. You know, obviously, you know, dies down during the season because, you know, my whole focus is here. But, you know, a little bit here and there, uh, you know, I'll look, you know, to see if something's on the market. Yeah, and you mentioned you you know the fact that it is kind of dying down while you're here because your focus is right here. And thankfully for Dolphins fans, your career is still in the middle of it, still thriving in the middle of your prime here, and, and plenty more years to come, hopefully, Eric. But I wanted to ask you about maybe some of your career adversity. You know, the injuries. Dolphins were your third team you've you've been on now, and you were playing cornerback at this time a year ago, and this team was off to a difficult start. And I think it's apt to draw parallels there. How would you say your career adversity has helped prepare you for managing the highs and lows of an NFL season, and more in particular, this Dolphins team the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, just, I, you know, I've been through it all. been through the the injuries, you know, that's, that's the lows. Uh, you know, the highs with, you know, making playoff and Super Bowl runs. So I, I kind of been from the top and I've been at the bottom and, uh, and kind of, you know, kind of what you learn from both is how, you know, kind of how much work that you need to consistently put in, you know, day in, day out, whether, you know, you're at the top or you're at the bottom, you know, just to stay and, you know, really compete in this league because if you don't get better, then, I mean, you get worse. I mean, that's what I learned. So, uh, obviously, that taking care of your body is a, a huge issue. So, but, you know, from this time last year, yeah, we, you know, 0-4 or, or – five games now, 0-5, you know, rough start. You know, I had a you know, I had a rough start going in, but the only thing you can do is just keep working. And then uh, when they made the position switch, I just keep, I just kept working. I mean, just, you know, really nothing else I can do. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not a quitter, so I'm not going to quit. So I'm just going to keep working. And uh, I mean, I'm glad like the, the work I'm putting in is, is kind of paying out, but I know it's, it doesn't stop there. You just got to keep working. And that seems to be kind of the the entire mentality of the team, right? Because we've had Fitzpatrick on after after the Seahawks game, he was down on himself. After the game on Sunday against the Niners, he was, you know, kind of in the same like same tempered, measured approach as far as like I don't want to get too high, I don't want to get too low. Does he really kind of help permeate that throughout the course of the locker room? Yeah. I mean, he even he even, you know, we had a team meeting and or a player meeting and he he told us like you know, be the same guy, whether we're losing or we're having success, be the same guy, you know, coming to practice, uh, the same guy in the game, you know, just because we're losing, don't be down on yourself or if we're winning, you know, you have extra energy, just be the same guy every day and be consistent. And on the topic of adversity, Eric, I, I think a less person might cave to the idea of switching positions, especially mid-season. But you talk about how you embraced it and how what else am I going to do because I'm here, I'm not a quitter. And before I get to my main point here, I want to ask you just, just real talk for a second. When you first realized you were going to be down there in the box with some of those bigger dudes at 205, what was your reaction? <laughs> yeah, yeah when, well, you know, at first I'm like, you know, okay, I'll do it. But then when I got down there, you know, during the game and, how fast, how fast, you know, things really move in that, you know, that little box. I mean, it's been, it's pretty physical. I'm like, Oh shit. Like this is, this is real down here. <laughs> I've been on the, you know, I've been out by the numbers, you know, facing you know, my whole career. And, and I mean, yeah, the, the receivers are fast, but it's a one-on-one, but you're in the box. It's, it's a lot of moving parts. And I'm like, Holy crap. Like things move fast, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, once it, you know, once you get used to it, you know, it just kind of is what it is. But at first, I was like, "Man, this is this is tough." 
are there maybe any like little silver linings to to that flip and, and the fact that you do have to take on those big physical guys down in the box? Because I recall reading a story, I think it was from Charger Center, former Charger Center Nick Hardwick, who talked about playing down there and the weight you have to maintain and how he would eat ice cream every single night. Was there any advantages like maybe more ice cream for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I got, you know, you get, you get to take on a fullback or some linemen at some point. And I mean, the coaches, they, they, they try to like, they try to help and, you know, the way they, you know, put me in a position where I don't have to, you know, do that a lot. <laughs> so that helps. But, you know, at times I have to you know, go down there and kind of just stick my body in there and kind of sacrifice yeah that's that's the name of the game right that's football in a nutshell right there but again you embraced it and you know we saw jamal perry play safety when bobby went out last week against the seahawks we saw jesse davis flip from right tackle to left tackle sunday against the niners it's a hallmark under this team for brian flores versatility guys playing multiple spots next man up mentality this adaptable versatile mindset but i want to go in deeper on that because guys just seem generally receptive to being team first over me first. We heard coach talk about it last year when he first got here, how he doesn't want the star player that's bigger than the team. And I think that you really embody that Eero. And what do you think it is about Flores that makes players so receptive to his style and his teaching? I think it's just that, or so really like the mindset of the guys that, you know, kind of he brought in and, you know, from free agents and uh, we all have the same mindset of obviously everyone has a mindset of winning, but obviously you have to get more, you know, in the detail with that, like a lot of guys, you know, they, you know, we have a good chemistry on the team, you know, everyone, you know, they love hanging out with each other, respect each other. So, you know, kind of what comes with that is you're going to play hard for each other, right? You know, we got to play multiple positions, like to help the team win. Like, you know, we don't want to let each other down. So it kind of is what it is. Like, you know, it's funny because when Jamal, he had came in the Seahawks game, he hasn't got like a free safety snap probably like in three weeks. But he went in there and, you know, he did his thing. Yeah, he really helped the team out when Bobby went down. And, I mean, that's that's kind of stuff we need. And we've seen it throughout the course of the first two years here with Brian Flores. And your history with Brian Flores goes back now to, you know, New England pre- uh, previously before you got here. You know him as well as anybody maybe on this team. But maybe you can tell us a little bit about some of his defensive philosophies. You mentioned the team signing certain free agents, drafting certain players. We saw them sign Byron Jones, use a first-round pick on a cornerback in Noah Igbenogany, a third-round pick on a safety in Brandon Jones. What is the value or kind of the mindset there of building that defense sort of front to back and really loading up that secondary and giving you guys so many matchup parts and so many guys that can do multiple things back there? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, obviously everyone knows he's a you know defensive guy, and I guess our you know first first thing was we needed some people on the back end, so you know they got a lot of secondary people coming in, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's definitely you know a, def- a defensive like. Like hard, but a lot of people don't know he's big on special teams. Like he he drafts a lot of people based on special teams first. So that's a lot of things people don't know. But yeah, just knowing his like philosophy, like <clears throat> like defense, it's just kind of like you know we got to get it done, especially on the back end. Yeah, he talks about the kicking game plenty in his press conferences. We've we've heard it a few times. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we we also you know going back to that kind of even keel mentality. We talked about Fitzpatrick kind of approaching the game that way, and his and, you know his media and everything he does is all you know. Let's try to get away from the roller coaster and stay on that flat line, so to speak. But after the game Sunday, you know, on the post game Zoom calls. 
I, I expected Flo to be a little bit more jovial on Sunday, but he had the exact same demeanor that he did after the Seattle loss. He preaches it, he practices it, same guy every day. But my question to you is, how does this team kind of take on that personality of their head coach, and do you think it's already taken hold now, just 21 games in? Yeah, like we, it kind of reflects to us, like, of course, after the game, you know, everybody's happy, right? We're cheering, blah, blah, blah. But I guarantee you on Wednesday, we're all going to go right back to work, you know, kind of prepare for the, you know, the Jets. Because, I mean, we know that week in, week out, you know, uh, games like that, you know, it just doesn't happen uh, just because you're hyped up, right? You, know, you got to get ready. So, so you know, after, I'm guaranteed on Wednesday, we're going to work just as hard as we did, you know, like after we lost to Seattle or after we won to Jacksonville. So, you know, we have the same mindset going to each each week, each game week, and, and yeah, it kind of comes from him. And you mentioned, you know, the Jets coming up on Sunday. Last year, the first win of the season came against the New York Jets at home. So we'll have that that bout back here again this Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. I'm just curious if there was one moment last year, Eric, that maybe stood out to you that was kind of a turning point, you know, in the season where maybe you guys kind of started to click and kind of get the approach of the program and had had his message kind of take hold. Was there a moment where that maybe happened and you kind of see that carry into this season too? It was the, the Buffalo Bills game when we were – at the Bills, and we actually took the lead. And I think kind of from there, people started believing, like, okay, like, uh, you know, whatever we're doing, like, putting, you know, the work we're putting in in practice and off the field, and it means it is working. Obviously, you know, we just got to execute and finish. And then kind of, I think, like, the next game or so, we finally, you know, we beat beat the Jets. And then kind of from there on, you know, people started believing and rolling into this year, even though we have new guys, you know, some of us old guys, like, we had the same mentality. Like, we kind of knew we were coming off last year. And then, obviously, you know, now with this year going on, like, we all see, like, you know, the work we put in, like, last Sunday, like, it shows. So, you know, I feel like last year it, it did kind of roll over. Do you think there's value in the fact that you guys were here for that? Like, guys like you and, and Nick Needham, for instance, Bobby McCain, Xavier Howard, the guys that were here and kind of carried it over, does that really help that message, like, for the younger guys? Like, okay, that's the expectation for how it's going to be around here? Yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, with Noah and Brandon and even on the O-line, like Austin Johnson, even Tua, like, you know, you know, we all, like, you know, we help them out now and then here on and off the field, like, it kind of like trying to put that mindset in like, you know, you know, this game's not easy. It's not easy to get wins. You know, if you make a play, that's it's not like, you know, college where, you know, it may, it may have been a lot easier. You can do it more consistently. Like, so like, you know, we tell them you got to keep putting in that work and kind of, and obviously they'll pick it up and then, you know, it kind of carries throughout the locker room. And for you personally, Eric, just looking over some of your stats since the switch to safety last year, as far as tracking coverage reps, tar, uh, you know, completion percentage yards on those completions every week man your numbers you're you're locking guys down we saw it yesterday two completions in your target area on six targets for like 31 yards man and one for 12 for George Kittle up against you I'm gonna guess that it's confidence but I want to hear it from you what trait would you attribute your performance these last 16 or so games at safety to I mean really my really the teammates I mean it's not a one-man show out there it's not just me it's uh, you know, it's the D line, obviously getting pressure. It's, you know, pressure on the QB. Then we're like, really, like sometimes me and Bobby, like he has, like he has my help. Like there's a couple overs and, you know, Bobby's right there in the window, you know, for that split second, you know, quarterback, he looks his way. He's like, you know, all right, he's not open. So, I mean, it's, 
it's, it's not a one man show, but I mean, I contribute like to the whole defense. Like, you know, we're all just trying to help each other out, make each other better. Yeah, that's right. I, I love hearing that, Eric. And to go back away from the football field here, we talked about your, you know, your real estate endeavors, but I want to talk about your drip because I've seen a picture of the pumpkin suit. Fashion meets Halloween. Is that kind of your game? <laughs> yeah, or I, I say it's my wife's thing. She likes to dress <laughs> me, so. <laughs> that's a good answer. You say, put this on. I'm like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll throw it on. <laughs> <laughs> you should see my closet from the time I, from when I was a bachelor to when I got married, completely do, completely different. Oh yeah. No, same. <laughs> is, uh, is, is Halloween your favorite holiday or is that just something that was, you know, timely? Yeah, that is my wife's favorite holiday. Yeah. So Halloween, like this month is all costumes and yeah. all that decorative stuff. <laughs> you guys, you guys take out the house, like, like Griswold style, but Halloween. Yeah, you know, some stuff outside and all that. She loves Halloween. There, there's a new movie on Netflix, and it's it's Adam Sandler, which he, like, does the, you know, he's just kind of a goofball. It's, like, it's called, like, Huey Dubois or something like that. It's the name of the character. It's it's goofy, but she probably would like it if she's into Halloween because it's just silly about Halloween. So you guys can check that out for a, a little uh, spoof fest. There you go. All right, Eric Rowe, I really appreciate your time today, man. Hell of a game on Sunday, and we'll see you back out there for the Jets this coming Sunday. All right, appreciate it. Thanks, man. And so there he goes, Eric Rowe. You guys can find the feature up on MiamiDolphins.com, taking a look at Eric Rowe, some quotes there from coaches, from himself as well, from this podcast, and some stats. And let's go ahead and talk about those stats here real quick because since he made the switch to safety 17 games ago, he is allowing only 37 completions on 64 pass attempts for 338 yards and one touchdown, one interception with eight pass breakups. That's a passer rating of 70.96. Most quarterbacks these days are up in the high 90s, close to 100 in 2020's NFL. He's limiting quarterbacks to 70.96 passer rating when they test him. He also has 22 run stops. He's also thwarting some of the best tight ends in the entire National Football League. Last year against the Eagles, he held Zach Ertz to no catches on two targets and Sunday against the Niners he limited George Kittle to one catch on two targets for 12 yards that's one week after Kittle had 15 catches for 183 yards in their win or their loss rather to the Philadelphia Eagles he is seventh among safeties in completion percentage allowed at 61.9 percent this year with minimum 10 targets his four pass breakups are tied for second most among safeties he's got 183 career tackles getting close to 200 and he's second right now on the team with 22 tackles behind Jerome Baker and his 81 tackles last year were second behind Jerome Baker his snap counts this year he's played 258 snaps 98 of those in the box 55 of those in the slot 50 deep in the free safety spot 29 out at wide corner 12 on the defensive line and 14 special team snaps last season a career high 1135 snaps 445 in the box 254 out wide, 226 in the slot, 86 at free safety, 61 on the defensive line, and 63 on special teams. All of those numbers coming courtesy of pro football focus. So Eric Rowe plays everywhere on the damn field. You've heard Coach Flores talk about him playing safety, linebacker, corner, slot. And there's the proof in the pudding right there. Guy plays all over the place, and he's productive. And he got that contract extension last year. And boy, he is playing really good football right now for your Miami Dolphins. And let's go ahead and get started with player media availability here, starting with Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, who first was asked if he knew about his fifth overall ranking in the QBR statistic, and if it matters to him, does he care about it? Here's Fitz on just that. You know, you don't 
you don't really pay too much attention to any of that stuff, but I think that one's probably a better metric of overall quarterback play um, than just the the regular QB rating. So, I mean, that one to me matters more than the the blanket quarterback rating one. So Fitz is a QBR guy, and his argument makes total sense right there. My next question for Fitz was about the 32-yard touchdown pass to Preston Williams. We saw Brian Baldinger break that thing down on his Twitter timeline on Baldy's breakdowns, showing Fitzpatrick's trust in his eyes and throwing the ball to a spot under pressure. I wanted to ask Fitz about how he gets to that point of his career and his football life where he can trust his eyes so much. Here's Fitz on that touchdown pass to Preston Williams and growing confidence here with the Dolphins receivers. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is experience and film study and just kind of years of accumulating this catalog in the back of my mind of things that I, I really like and I'm comfortable with versus certain looks. And then the other end of that is getting the guys that you're playing with to understand how I'm seeing it and where I want them to be. And that was a huge play in the game but that was a huge play for me just in terms of my confidence in Preston and for us to be on the same page and for me to be able to throw that ball knowing exactly where he was going to be uh, and for him to make the right read and the right decision there that kind of thing goes a long way in building confidence with guys and that one that one was a fun play because uh, you know the setup and the way everything went but also just because it was a pretty meaningful play in the second half. And you hear him talk about the years of catalogs in the back of his mind he has with certain plays and certain looks. How about some physical elements of Fitzpatrick's game that he feels he's gotten better at, whether it's accuracy, decision-making? Here's the quarterback on where he thinks he's improving now in year 16. I, I just think as the years have gone on for me, I've become more accurate. I've become a, a better decision-maker, but more accurate in the way that I'm throwing the football. And I think that's shown up a little bit this year. Um uh, but I don't know. I mean, also for me, it's it's not necessarily about the physical anymore. I mean, I think I could still make all the throws, but it's never really been about that for me. So feeling comfortable, uh, you know, in this system, feeling comfortable with the guys I'm playing with. And right now, just spreading the ball around. You know, there's been other years and seasons where, um, you know, we haven't either had as much talent or we've had one superstar where he's getting force fed a lot of the time. And I think with the group right now, we've got a lot of really talented guys that have different skill sets. And we've said that in the past, but I think with the ball being spread out more, that's also helped with my efficiency and accuracy a little bit. Let's go ahead and pick it up here with Dolphins offensive lineman Jesse Davis, who first was asked about Ryan Fitzpatrick, the teammate he is, and how guys rally around the energy Fitzpatrick brings to the huddle, to the practice field, to the game day field, and all of the above. Oh, I mean, he just brings energy. You know, I think everybody always comments on that, how he, uh, how electric he can be and how he like, uplifts the, you know, the whole squad, really, and even coaches. You know, it's, it's refreshing to play with him. Um, he's out there getting us, you know, on correct assignments. And then, you know, watching him, you know, have fun throwing the ball and, you know, scoring touchdowns. So, I mean, it's just great. Next, Jesse talks about the growth of this team and what he's seen in two years so far under head coach Brian Flores. This organization's done a really good job bringing in the guys that they need, what they want on, um, you know, who they're going to fill roles. So, you know, it's fun to see our defense, you know, get the ball on. It just felt like a practice out there where you just, hey, sudden change, go back out. So with that happening and then with us actually moving the ball, contributing as well, 
you know, all that, you know, um, from the time I've been here with Flo, you know, it kind of, it's, it's, it's fun to see it kind of come together, you know, his ideas, his philosophies actually working. And, you know, it's really exciting to see. And Jason Sanders was named AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. He has 14 consecutive kicks to start the season. That's a franchise record. He is only three away with 16 consecutive makes going back to last year from breaking Olindo Mare's record that he set back in 1999. He also has his second consecutive game with five field goals made. He also made seven kicks in a game last year. So this guy putting plenty of footballs through the uprights. What does it mean to Jason Sanders to win AFC Special Teams Player of the Week award for the third time in his career, he also was the player of the month last December. Um, I'm, I'm off to a good start. So for me, it's a matter of how do I treat each kick the same. So if you know that 20-yard field goal that happens to be in the first quarter is it the same importance as that fourth quarter kick? You know, that's the mentality I kind of had to take in at each kick. So when I go out on the field, I'm treating that that 20-yarder the same as that 50-yarder. Let's go ahead and finish up here with Dolphins linebacker Andrew Van Ginkle who first was asked what area of his game he feels he's improved the most so far in his second season. You know, I think um, just building my strength in the weight room and uh, trusting my technique. Uh, I think Austin Clark has done a great job um, with teaching me his technique and, you know, how to do a better job of setting the edge. And whether it be hand placement or my feet, um, not giving up ground, you know, but more attacking. And I think that's really helped improve um, me this, this year. Next, I asked Andrew what it is about this scheme that really best accentuates his strengths as a pass rusher. Here's Van Ginkle on that answer. Um, I'd say they put us in a position to succeed. You know, the coaches know our strengths and weaknesses as well. So um, they're not going to, you know, put me, you know, down the middle of a guy or um, make me do something I'm uncomfortable with, which I think has really helped me. And um, whether it be movements or edge rushing, I think they just um, align guys where they can succeed, which is benefited me and who does Andrew Van Ginkle credit for his improvement and progression in year two outside linebackers coach Austin Clark you know once again I just got to give credit to Austin Clark um you know I think the key that he has taught me is getting inside hands um you know on their shoulder plate or on their chest plate so that way you can get a grip of them and um you know it's easier to um, disengage you know um so I'd say that thing that's the biggest thing is to get a inside hands and being able to grab them has made a huge difference. And so there you have it. I think we can go ahead and put a button on this Wednesday edition of Drive Time with your host, me, Travis Wingfield. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast. They had Bart Scott on this week. You will not want to miss that one. And don't forget to check out the Audible with John and Bo and also MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.